everybody, and welcome back to this edition of the Overtime Podcast presented by the Cold Front Report. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Clayton Garrett, and joining me tonight is my co-host, Jeff Uvino. Jeff, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. Now, we are officially done with the third week of the preseason going into the fourth week where starters, they mostly sit. So, starters are done playing in the preseason, so I think it's very fair that we can cautiously evaluate how the starters did this preseason. And because I, I don't give too much substance of preseason, whether it's positive or negative takeaways, but it's certainly good to evaluate some fundamental things like special teams, uh, things that Josh Allen's capable of. I mean, how LaShawn McCoy looks in this offense. I, I came away quite impressed overall throughout this preseason. What are your thoughts? Well, consistency is a word that gets thrown around a lot in the preseason. And obviously, it's hard to find consistency when you're only playing a quarter of the game or in some cases, even two or three drives. But um, Josh Allen, he's he's looked good, but at times, but inconsistent. And I think that something that Bills fans and football fans in general, they want to think they want to think more about the things that their players do well in the preseason instead of the things they do poorly. So if the Bills offense comes out and has a drive, Throw, Allen throws for a, first, for a couple of first downs and then he takes a sack or throws a bad ball, they'll say, oh, well, he completed some passes, moved the ball some, and you want to think about the good things. Right. Now, you talk about consistency. Now, during the first two preseason games, it made me – it was very clear – well, all three in all, in all reality. Mm-hmm. The first week they were really challenging more so downfield, trying to take the top off of defenses. The second week they were really working on the short passes, getting it to Cole Beasley. John Brown was out, but he was really looking to Cole Beasley on those third and mediums, third and five to seven yards. And it was the, the offense was flowing. In the first week he was six of 11. In the second week he was nine of 11. And in the first two weeks he was 15 of 22 for 168 passing yards. So the passing game, they, they really wanted to evaluate the passing game and Josh Allen's growth in that area of the field and those types of throws and whatnot in those first two preseason games. And I overall think he looked pretty darn well in those first two games. Hmm. Well, he's always going to have room to grow. I think, I think that right now, obviously his, his athletic skill set, in my opinion, is second to none. I mean, he's, he's six foot five, 260 pounds in a quarterback. Um, it, it's, he has the intangibles and he's going to have to continue to develop. And that's something that the preseason is good for, you know, I mean, we get to see him try out a few different offensive packages. Obviously you never show a lot in the preseason. You know, that um, teams are never really going to pull out all the stops, especially you're practicing with these guys all week, just kind of trying to um, get back into the swing of things. But I think that for Josh Allen specifically, it's just continually improve. And that's over the regular season, too. I mean, he's, what, 24 years old. It's his sophomore year in the league. You don't need to be a superstar right now. You don't need to be a pro bowler right now. But you need to continue to get better. And I think that we've seen that so far from him. Uh, Well, there was one play in the third game that I didn't really like. He went cowboy on us again, trying to play hero ball, rolling out to his right and throwing it down the deep middle of the field. But he said in an interview in the fourth quarter he has to stop doing that, but you have to wonder how many years he's been told to just stop doing that. And in the th- third preseason game, he only threw six passes, and in both of the first two, he threw 11 passes each game. So that, that really brings to my second point of the running game. And I really like what I saw from the running game, not in the first two weeks, rather in the, set, in the third week, because they were mm-hmm. really focusing on it in the third game. Mm-hmm. In the first two games, they had, they had 20 carries for 57 yards between Devin Singletary, LaShawn McCoy, and Frank Gore. And that's both for week two and week – or week one and week two combined, rather. In week three, they had – in the first half between the three main backs in the backfield, they had 15 carries and 103 yards. That was all in the first half. So it was very evident to me that 
in the third week of the preseason that they were trying to evaluate this running game. They were pounding it against a very impressive front for the Detroit Lions that added Trey Flowers, that has Deshaun Hand, they have the best run-stuffing nose tackle in Damon Harrison. It was evident that they were really trying to focus on the run game, and I think they were very successful in doing that. Yeah, and I don't think that running back by committee is ever a bad thing if you're the Bills. You don't need LaShawn McCoy to carry you. You don't need to find an up-and-comer like Christian Wade or whoever to carry the run game. I think that if you're, if you're rotating guys in there, that's just as good as having a stud back. It's just as good. It's a lot about their offensive line, too, which I think that the depth of the offensive line is going to be something that is really important because guys are going to get hurt. They always do. Um, and they've tried, I know they've tried out a bunch of different lines in camp. There's been questions about what do they think, who do they think is going to be where, and all that comes down to who gets hurt, really, and that's a big, big part of it. Yeah, uh, it was tested early on in the game, and that was really one of the interesting things I, I noticed is that Ike Botker went in for an injured quit in Spain early into the game in yeah. favor of Wyatt Teller, who started seven games last year as a rookie at that spot, and later in the game, Wyatt Teller was taking snaps in the late fourth quarter at right tackle. So they're really trying to get these players vers- – they're trying to coach them to be versatile. Uh, Wyatt mm-hmm. Teller had the versatility of playing left guard and right guard, but then they bumped him out to right tackle. But going back to the running game, you say running back by committee, and I couldn't agree more about that. I, I really am looking forward to what we have overall at the running back position. I honestly think it's very overrated. I mean, even though LaShawn McCoy, I don't believe he is to the form of the 2016 season or the 2017 season he had in Buffalo. Still, I think LaShawn McCoy that has lost a step is far better than any running back in this backfield. That also features Devin Singletary, who I've been impressed by and I think is going to be a future stud in the league. And, of course, the aging, never-ending player of uh, Frank Gore. And Frank Gore looked excellent, too. He had a great burst. And then speaking of burst, LaShawn McCoy, the burst he displayed in this game, wow. I was not – that that maybe maybe it's not the burst that he had from two seasons ago, but it was definitely more of a burst than I expected to see from him on a play-to-play basis after the season I watched last year. Mm -hmm. And I like TJ Yeldon a lot, too. Right. Um, I like that he runs the ball hard. You know, I'm not a big LaShawn McCoy guy. I'm not a big – dance in the backfield guy you know it's great that he, he makes some explosive plays but you gotta you gotta go forward you gotta run downhill and um I think that another thing that's important to think about with these guys is a lot of them are, are as you said aging Frank Gore's old LaShawn McCoy is what 32 now yep no that's 31. old 31 that's still that's old for a running back you know right. it's and I think that's the term running back by committee that's obviously a football cliche but but when you got guys who are in their well into their thirties, you need that, you know, you can't be taking 20, 30 pops a game. If you expect those guys to uh, last throughout the whole year. Right. Now you bring up an interesting point about TJ Yeldon, because in my, uh, in, in many, many fans thoughts or in the inside circles around the bills, the thought was that, or my main thought was that LaShawn McCoy was in direct competition with TJ Yeldon for that roster spot. Because mm-hmm. when they bring in Frank Gore, my immediate thought is Frank Gore is a mentor to a younger running back. Yeah, and you, w- we, and you wouldn't have signed him if, you weren't, if he wasn't going to be on the roster either. Right. He's on the roster. Now, I thought the main competition was TJ Yeldon and LaShawn McCoy, and I thought a big, it, it is kind of a big deal that they signed TJ Yeldon to a two-year contract. I also don't think you can ignore the fact that we don't really have – I'm not comfortable with what we have at the tight end position with Tommy Sweeney, Dawson Knox – Tyler Croft likely to miss six or seven games to spend on the pump, uh, or mm-hmm. excuse me, the pup rather, and maybe Jason Kroom and a blocking tight end, Lee Smith. 
I'm not comfortable with that. And tight end is typically the quarterback safety blanket, quote unquote, in the NFL. Now you bring in Cole Beasley in the slot. Now do you want all those targets to go to to go to Cole Beasley? Because TJ Yeldon had 52 receptions in a Jaguars offense with Blake Bortles last year, and Blake Bortles was a check down king in my opinion. So mm-hmm. if TJ Yeldon can bring can be that kind of asset to the Bills passing game, I think he's invaluable in this offense, in my opinion. And you bring up Cole Beasley. <clears throat> I love Cole Beasley. What he he's a great route runner. He gets open. He doesn't make he doesn't make big plays, but he's not here to make big plays. He's here to convert first downs. And same thing with the checkdowns. With Yeldon coming out of the backfield, McCoy's his McCoy's not a bad pass catcher. You know he can you can throw him in a screen once a game to him. Same with Yeldon. I don't know about Frank Gore as far. No. I think Gore is probably your third and one guy. You know. Um, but I think that signing Cole Beasley and having Cole Beasley and Zay Jones, who are who are pretty much the same player, they're very identical players. I I like I'm more comfortable with Beasley a little better. I think that he's a little he's a little better player. He's a lot more experienced in the league. He's proven himself more in the league. But having those having those kinds of guys are are very invaluable. Invaluable. I mean, you don't need to throw the ball down the field 80 yards every time to a guy like an Antonio Brown or whoever. Lee Evans back in the day you don't need that kind of guy it's nice to have you know it's nice to have be able to do that but you, at the end of the day you got to get first downs and they've got guys that can do it but that's honestly what the Josh Allen needs to get out of the habit of taking those big big shot plays really exactly. improving the the improving in the area of third and five third and seven that that critical third down I think that's where Cole Beasley is going to be the most valuable and mm-hmm. You, you, you compare Cole Beasley to Zay Jones. I think Zay Jones is more of a versatile asset that can play throughout the entire offense as the coaching staff has touched on throughout uh, press conferences. But I think Cole Beasley, you know, I, I don't need to see anything crazy from Cole Beasley. I need him to catch the ball when the ball is thrown to him on critical third downs, mm-hmm. maybe even fourth downs. And he's going to average, in my opinion, seven to nine yards per catch. That's all I need to see from Cole Beasley, whether that adds up to 800 yards or he has 75 receptions. As long as he is a reliable target in this offense that Josh Allen can go to when he needs a critical third down to pick up and keep the chains moving, as long as he is that, I'm perfectly content with Cole Beasley. And Josh Allen needs to know that. He needs to know that the option's there. He needs to know he doesn't have to make a big play on third and five. just needs to move the chains. Right. The, the play he went cowboy the other night, it was second and six. And that's another thing. And that's another thing that he'll learn with more time in the league. You know, they'll be on him about it. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he needs a mentor. Yeah, I, but he's—it's his second year. You know, he's played. He's played. He played what? Ten games last year? Eight games last year? Josh Allen. Yeah. yeah he's, Eleven. He, 11. He, he, he. He. That's you know that's nothing. It. has been in the league for ten years and they're still figuring it out. You know, he's. He's. He needs I will to get say better. This, though. He has started more games than Jimmy Gar- Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jimmy now, Garoppolo, who I banked on in fantasy last year. Oh, and hope he didn't bank up. on Andrew Luck either. Well, he's already been <laughs> drafted. So <laughs> now we're wrapping up the talk about preseason. The starters aren't going to play the fourth game. Mm-hmm. And see, it brings up an interesting conversation because personally, preseason is one of the three things that I can't wait to end as soon as it starts. It, the three, th- those three things are election season, uh, a, tele- a, a telecast of a NASCAR race, and the NFL preseason. I can't stand – I want those things to end as soon as they start. <laughs> because the NFL preseason, it's really – it really should be two games. I don't think you should have a preseason, but if you're going – if it is an absolute necessity in the NFL, it should be two games. One home game, one away game. 
and it, it's just such a money grab in my opinion because really well, the only reason it's a, a, a real we have four games is because these owners can charge full price for preseason home game tickets to season ticket holders because mm-hmm. you get 10 game, 10 home games two preseason games and eight regular season games so i i mean th- this is just a random number but the cheap say the cheapest season tickets at the at new era field are 350 dollars for 300 level, level tickets so you're paying 35 bucks per ticket essentially for those 10 games what happens if you cut out one game you you basically have to charge three dollars more per ticket and you make just as much money Mm-hmm. I, I just – I can't stand the preseason, man. These players get hurt. It's meaningless snaps. I want it to be cut down to two games. I mean, if it's, if it's my call, I don't want a preseason. But if it's ab- the absolute necessity of these owners who just – I mean, in my opinion, they're just money grabbing, then have two games. Now, here's this. If you cut the preseason, do you add games to the regular season? No, that defeats okay, the whole good, purpose, okay, in my opinion. Good, I, because I was going to say that would defeat the purpose. I think that the, regu- I think that the preseason is important because – if anything, everyone in the organization needs to get back in the swing of things. And that starts, it goes from the players and the coaches all the way to the people who punch tickets at the stadiums and sell hot dogs. Everyone's getting back in the swing of things. It's a new year. Um, and it's, it, it is important. It does serve its purpose. But I, but I agree with you. It, you do need to cut down. I think three is a good number. Now, I understand that that's an odd number as far as the home and away and the ticket revenue. And also TV money. That's, you know, the, the third game you get another chance to have to get the TV money going. But you definitely don't need four. I mean, like you, you open the podcast by saying three games. We've seen what we got. And you're right. We do. We've seen what we have. Let's give guys bodies a break. It, it, it's overkill, in my opinion. Having four games right. is overkill. And I've really, I, I really thought about it these last couple of days. The starters essentially play three quarters of football. So if you want to have three preseason games, that's fine. Play them through the first quarter and play them seven and a half minutes into the second quarter, and that's a quarter and a half of football. In two preseason games, that's three quarters of football. That's all they've played in the preseason, really, because you play – I mean, this season at least, because they only played two or three series against the Panthers. They only played two or three series against the Colts, and then they played a whole half against the Lions. And it was really just starting to get raging because I saw one starter after another starter getting down, going down. Now – Travis White got hurt. Quentin Spain got hurt. Levi Wallace, he got the wind knocked out of him. None of these injuries seem to be to the severity of the, these players missing a numerous amount of games, but it's still a scare that you don't want to see. I mean, hell, the, the, the Lions lost their starting middle linebacker that was a first-round pick two, seasons, two years ago. Mm-hmm. It, 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 these, these teams, they're losing valuable assets to their football team that's going to make a difference in their win-loss column at the end of the year for these games that really don't matter at all when it comes down to it. Yeah, I think – I, I think you got to get some hits under your belt before the season starts because if you take out the preseason, that could just as easily happen in week one. You know, like Cam Newton gets hurt week one. People would say, oh, well, they didn't have any chance to warm up their bodies by playing preseason games. So it's a fine line that you have to walk. And I think, too, like I said, I think two is a good number. The people are going to argue either way. If they cut it down, people are going to say that players' bodies aren't ready and that they're week one, they're not ready to go 100% because they haven't gotten the hits in and gone through the motions enough, and their routines are messed up from previous years. I mean, I'm sure that Tom Brady has every single second of the preseason planned out to what he's going to do so his all of his bones won't break the first time he gets hit. <laughs> you know, he's got to eat his vegan meal at 7 in the morning and go off to the shower, you know, and if you take two weeks of that away, you know, the, the world's going to end. But – 
you so you cut it down people complain if you have it this like people will complain i don't know i i don't i don't i don't really watch preseason football i watch the bills other than that i'm not watching any preseason football i'm not watching the hall of fame game on august 15th every year it's still baseball season then <laughs> you know i don't know i i don't I mean, have a good solution you speak of they may not have enough snaps now the way i would do it the way i would fix it is you cut two preseason games now, currently, teams only practice two or three times with a separate team. Yeah. What I would do is add – is make it so that they're practice – they're having control practices with another team for two weeks throughout preseason. Because you're in training camp for two weeks. Then you typically go you, – you go have a joint practice. This year, the Bills joint practice with the Buffalo – with, with uh, the Carolina Panthers. So, instead of two preseason games – Say, or, or instead of four preseason games, say you have joint practices, maybe with two teams, maybe with one team. You still have joint practices with another team. You're not going against, you're not going against your teammates every single yeah, day. You, they're controlled. I mean, if a player needs, a, needs to take a blow, he can take a blow. That, it, it's much more controlled. It's, it's, it is often open to the media. And I really – I think that's another very big setback of training camp and preseason as a whole is people just – they read so much into whatever is put out in the media because really it's the only news that's reported. I mean, I got into it a few times with people talking about maybe Robert Foster getting cut because he dropped a pass in practice. And really, I don't, I don't really give a rip if Robert Foster drops a pass in practice because guess what? If we're 3-0 going into the home game against New England and Robert, Fast, Roth, ooh, Robert Foster rather drops a pass on a Wednesday, do you really care that he dropped that pass going into the game against New England? No, no, because yeah. he's likely he, he can – he uh, attributed to the Bills three wins at that point. So I, I think it's something people really read too far into. And it's mostly just a money grab from the owner's standpoint. There are solutions, but at the end of the day, it's all about money. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you agree with me that they shouldn't expand the season to 18 games. That would be an absolute it's redundant. Track. Guys would be blocking. You guys would be dropping half and right. I mean, I, if you, I'm not, if you think I'm, I'm not paying money. If you think I'm going to see the two and twelve Dolphins play the three and eleven Raiders, what makes you think I'm going to watch the two and fifteen Dolphins play the three and fourteen Raiders? I'm not going to eighteen games. You know, it's it's it is redundant. That's a good word for it. It'd be absolute redundant. It's absolute war on your body playing a football game right. and to put two more games in. Teams aren't going to have any guys left at the end of the year. I'm glad you bring up the proposal of extending the regular season in favor so that they can come back on the preseason the players that I worry about if you expand the regular season are the players like Jordan Poyer these 5'11 200 pound guys that are often going up against mismatches and they're putting their bodies on the line they're throwing their bodies around on bigger more than likely than not stronger athletes on play-to-play basis Mm -hmm. that's what I'm worried about and if you really think about it, if these players get hurt, let's take Jordan. Let's take that player, Jordan Poyer. Jordan Poyer was a seventh-round pick by the Eagles, who then got cut, was brought on to the Cleveland Browns. He then lacerated his kidney, covering a punt, and then he was brought on the Bills on a bargain bin deal. He signed a four-year, thirteen million dollar deal, and now he's considered to be one of the best players on the Bills' defense. Correct? I, I wholeheartedly agree. Now, throughout this throughout this offseason, we've talked about the consistent play of Jordan Poyer. If he has – his contract is up after the 2020 season. So not this offseason, but next offseason. So they spoke of if he, had, if he can put a third consistent season of solid play together, that we should extend him next year. Now, say you expand this season. 
and you and you these players are playing far more snaps. They're playing two more games worth of snaps. And Jordan Poyer gets hurt in that contract year. He's not making any of that money back. He is not making a lick of that money back at all. And th- these players, they don't make money in college. He's, mm-hmm. I, I'm not worried about the first-round picks. I'm not worried about the second-round picks. I'm worried about players like Jordan Poyer, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh-round picks that really haven't made any money yet in their career. The players that have had to scratch and claw their way to stardom, and then at the prime of their career, they face an injury because the, the, the overtraining, the undertraining, whatever it may be. But if, they're play, if they face that, if that injury is a cause of excessive games in the regular season, just because these owners want more money in their pockets, it's just completely unnecessary. Keep it at six, keep it at 17 weeks, 16 games with one bye. If you expand the regular season, at least give these players one or two more weeks off. Give them one or two more bye weeks. Because these players, the, the, the Super Bowl teams, they're pl- basically playing half a year of football. That's 24 weeks of playing football with one, maybe two weeks off of physical contact play football. And that's if these players don't get benched, that is. So I, I'm not a proponent of expanding the regular season. I'm not a proponent of expanding any kind of football. These players, they put their bodies on the line for almost half a year. There is no offseason for these guys. They're professionals at this point. And especially at the end of the year, if your team's out of it, you're really going to go 100%. I, right. I mean, your team's tanking. The fans want you to lose so you can have a better draft pick. And it's it's the sec- it's the second week of January, and it's, it's the last week. It's still a regular season, you know. It's it's just not a good situation, and I don't think. And for that reason, I think that there's enough um, opinion in the league that it's not a good good thing to do. That it w- won't actually happen. You know, it's one of those things that people talk about, but it's not going to actually happen. Um, I mean, if I'm a player, I w- I would never sign off a deal on any kind of expansion of games. If I have to play. I- any more games, I would not sign that contract. Or even if it's the same amount of games. If I'm a player and you throw a contract in front of my face saying, okay, you get to play two preseason games, but it's 18 regular season games with 16 game starts. Like, what the hell is this? Like, what yeah. are you trying to do? It is so evident that they're just trying to get more money out of these games, whether it's television ads, whether it's ticket prices, anything, just to make more money. And there, I, I think the middle ground really is the, the proposal that I said have – have okay two weeks of control practice, two weeks of preseason, and seventeen pre seventeen regular season games with a bye week, maybe two bye weeks. I think they should expand what bye weeks because these players and the injuries that they face, they're serious more times than not. I think it's more likely that they cut the preseason games than expand the regular season. I don't think the players association would ever sign off on adding the games. It's there's just so much that has to go into it to change the structure of the league like that. It's I I, I don't know. I think that adding adding regular season games is is similar to the idea of oh we're gonna put a team in europe or mexico (laughs) that's not gonna happen in all honesty if they really want to get more games to make more television ads to make more money at the gates why don't you just expand the playoffs yeah add a team in each conference because I'm, I'm telling you right now, if it's week 17 and the Bills and the Jets both have just gone to the dumps this season and they're both 5-10 and 10 or 4-11, four, four and, four and 11, one of the two. If, if that's the case, and I'm not a Bills fan, I'm not a Jets fan, I'm just an out-of-market fan that wants to watch football that, at 1 o'clock that Sunday. I'm not going to watch that game. Whereas the next week, if I'm watching a, a playoff game between, say, the Panthers and the Packers, who just, just both just made it in and it's going to be a good matchup, I'm going to watch that game absolutely. I'm definitely going to watch that game. I don't, I think if you want to make more money 
off of just in, as a generalization of having more football games, you expand the playoffs rather than a regular season or and you cut back the preseason because it's just – it's useless at this point, in my opinion. Well, what they'd have to do – the six teams from each league is an odd format with the first round by. So that they'd almost have to add two teams in each league to make it eight and eight because then instead of the two uh, top two seeds having a bye, then all four would play that week. So then, I, I don't know, they don't get rewarded as much for being one of the top teams, which is whatever. They don't have that in any other sport. But – I. Expanding the playoffs is a fine line because I think the NBA and NHL playoffs are way too long, but I don't think the adding the two more teams in each league would be a bad thing, but you know, 16, 16 is a lot, you know, 16 teams in the playoffs is a lot. It's half the league. I like, I, I like baseball playoffs. Baseball players are the toughest to make. I know they just added the two more wildcard teams, but 10 teams make it. And the bottom two, it's other than the top six teams. It's the one game playoff, you know, to get that, to get the fourth spot in each. And so it makes it, the lack of so many games makes it better, makes it more entertaining. But then again, you're missing out on NBA. You got to win 28. You got to win. It could potentially be 28 games. You know, you got to win. Right. You got to win what? 12 games or 16. You got to win 16 to, to right. win in basketball or hockey. So it's, it's, you're in the middle of, do we want the more games for the more revenue? But then again, if you get too many games, they mean less, you know, I mean, Warriors, Warriors versus whoever squeaked in as the eight seed. I'm not watching that, you know, in the first round of the NBA playoffs or whatever, you know. So it's it, you you walk. It's a slippery slope adding adding the playoff teams. It, it's, it's not really a bad idea a, though. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, let's be honest. If the players don't like what the owners put in front of their face, the owners aren't making a dime because they won't sign a contract and just that there will be no football to play. Obviously, these players will lose money because of the lucrative contracts that they sign and the money that they make. But players are starting to shift more and more towards worrying about their health, worrying about their longevity in life, worrying about having a life worth living after football than they are worrying about the dollar signs. They've been much smart. Many players are much smarter with their money than in the past. It's just it, it's a rabbit hole. It really is a rabbit hole. And with the CBA coming up in a, in a couple of years, it's really going to be interesting. I don't want to see the league go into a lockout again like we did in 2010. But I do think it's inevitable as these owners, after they propose to cut out in the preseason and expand the regular season and that, that with a 16 start limit, might I, I might add, I, I just think they're, they're running in circles. They're not coming up with a realistic proposal that these play, to, to put in front of these players that these players want to, want to sign and want to do as, I mean, at the end of the day, these are the, the players are what makes these teams money. Cause I'm not the, you saw, you see it with the AAF. I don't know if you'll see it with the XFL, but you saw it with the AAF. I'm not watching a bunch of scab because it's just, it's hard to watch football. It's essentially preseason football off season, all season. If you just like, well, if these players don't want to play these players will. No, that's not how it works. And yeah. it, we, we've seen it in the past. I mean, I, I was, I wasn't alive to see it, but I, no, knowing history, I know it has happened in the past. I, I think these re- owners have to be far more realistic. Look at it through the player's perspective more. I don't think the owners have much perspective. Yes, they want to make money. Yes, they want to make money. These guys are going to make billions of dollars whether either way. They're going to make billions mm-hmm. of dollars either way, whether there's two more games, two less games. Either way, they're going to make billions of dollars. And like I said at the opening of this segment, if you just – like with that $35 per game for 10 games, you add three bucks, obviously that – that price increase is going to be much more substantial as you get to the closer, as you get to the suites, as you get to the 
the 100 level season tickets, all of that, all the things of those nature of that nature. But it's just an example. And if you're a, if you're a dedicated diehard fan, you're going to buy season tickets, whether it's X dollars more expensive or not. I'm just more in the player favor rather than the owner favor as far as this matter is concerned. Yeah. And like you said, with guys looking out for their bodies more, it comes with better medicine and more people talking about what football does to your body, what football does to your brain, you know, as far as head and spinal injuries. Um, But that's, that's a discussion that's going to be had for a long time. You know, what exactly is, is the sweet spot as far as scheduling as far as how much is too much, how much isn't enough. See, they're always going to have that. I think I mean, when, whoever decided the 16-game schedule, kudos to you. I think that's perfect. You know, it's, it's, maybe that's because that's how I grew up watching football, 16-game schedule. I think that, I think that teams, teams have – there's data is used so much today that teams have to have it down to science. That if we get guys in here in this date and we do this much all season, that's going to give us the best chance to win. Teams have to have that figured out by now. There's so many analytics that go into sports nowadays. So much data is used. Teams have to know what the best way to win is. Now, whether they – whether they, how much they keep the players in the loop is how detrimental that is to the players' health and safety, I don't know. But I think that it's 2019. I think the teams are definitely doing the best they can to produce the best results. Well, with the quote unquote most important part of the preseason over, we, I, I, the good news is we are less than two weeks away from week one football. And I can't wait for that because, I mean, I'll go on record saying I hate the Jets more than any other team in the AFC East. I actually, no, I equally hate them to the Miami Dolphins. I think they're both mediocre teams and it just, drives me up a wall if I see the Bills lose to either of those teams. I've pretty much grown numb to losing to the Patriots at this point as I have seen the Bills beat them, what, three times in my lifespan. So, and they it, don't it, count because at the end of the year when the Patriots have already clinched the number one seed. Right, it just doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter at the end of the year when it comes to the Patriots. So we're, we're less than two weeks away from real football. And I can't be more excited. And honestly, I can't be more confident in this team. You, you, every fan goes into the, into the seasons excited, whether because the Bills have had very good marketing teams over the de- past couple decades. No matter how bad the team is going to be at the end of the year, whether it's 4 and 12, 5 and 11, 6 and 10, 6 and 10, uh, 7 and 9, it, it, it's been very bad to mediocre to average. And I think the Bills are finally starting to get closer to climbing over that hump. I've, been, I've said it time and time again, I think their, their, their floor is 8 and 8, and I think their ceiling is 11 and 5. And I, after watching this preseason, I, it hasn't moved the needle either way for me. I'm going to stay in that middle. I, I, I predict 9-7, and 6-10-6, somewhere in that area. I'm, I couldn't be more excited. I could be more confident. I'm so – it's going to be very interesting to see what Josh Allen does with all the new weapons on offense. It's going to be interesting to see how the running game rebounds after just such an, an, an atrocious season in 2017 with – I mean, we have four new starters along the offensive line. It's going to be interesting week one against the Jets who have a very good defense – very good front seven that is well you know being a bills fan in the 21st century it's hard to you know get yourself too excited after the first month of the season because we've seen lots of four and o's we've seen lots of three and ones we've seen we're four and two we're going to beat the patriots we've got them at home we got them right where we want them and tom brady throws for six touchdowns we've seen lots of disappointment so it's it's hard for me to say that the bills are going to go out and go 10 and six or going 11 five it's hard for me to say they're going to be bad because i think that McDermott and company have been taking the organization in the right direction. You know, I think that 
as far as Buffalo sports, I think that the bills are on a much better trajectory than the Sabres are, but that's a whole nother discussion, but <laughs> nine and seven, I think is the number. I, I think it's a number. I mean, we've seen the bill, the mediocre bills be able to go nine and seven, the Kyle Orton year. I think they're, they were a better team that year than the playoff year, you know, which I agree. it just happened to be that that season nine and seven got them in and the Orton year, it didn't. Um, I think their schedule helps. I like to say that, I, that you don't know which teams are going to be good, which teams aren't, so you can't put too much weight on the schedule. But I think that their schedule is weak it's in some regards. You know, all Sunday games at one, no real tough road trips. You know, they play on Thanksgiving, but, you know, what, whatever. That game, can, Those games can always go either way. It's hard for me to get excited. It's hard for me to have a strong opinion either way. You know, it's hard for me to say we're going to suck. It's hard for me to say we're going to be a playoff team. Right. I. I agree with you. You're, you're a similar age to me. So you've seen the, you've seen the ups, you've seen the five and two Ryan Fitzpatrick led bills to finish six and 10. You've seen all that, the, the very disheartening heart crushing bills fallouts. And we really covered all bases today. I couldn't be more excited for this preseason to get over with Jeff. I know you agree. Uh, Hate the preseason. I'm going to get this show wrapped up. You want to tell the good people where they can find you on Twitter. You can find me at Real J Uvino. My name, my last name has lots of vowels. It's U V E I N O. Yeah, a nice Italian name with lots of vowels, and none of them really make sense where they are. But yeah, I appreciate it if you guys would give me a Twitter follow. This this um, site, our Facebook page is ever expanding. The Cold Front Report. We're doing great things. Clayton has put a lot of time, and Clayton and company have put a lot of time into the stuff. Our website looks absolutely tremendous and uh, resources are ever growing. Thank you for the kind words, Jeff. And I look forward to everything we produce in the future. You can find me on Twitter at Clay Garrett, CFR. That's C-L-A-Y-G-A-R-R-E-T-T-C-F-R. And this has been the Overtime Podcast presented by The Cold Company.